Our first lesson comes to us from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though at an army encampment against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that will I seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek? Do I not hide your face from me? Do not turn your servant away in anger? You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Our next lesson is the gospel lesson according to Luke chapter 9 verses 28 to 36. Jesus has just foretold his death and his resurrection, resurrection to the disciples. He tells his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. And then on the third day, be raised. He tells us and his disciples about the relationship between the Messiahship and the character of discipleship. Essentially, the people are looking for a Messiah, a Messiah to bring peace and justice, to become an earthly king. In reality, Jesus is teaching us that it is us, that it's you and me that must bring peace and justice, and he will suffer and save us, but it is us that brings peace and justice. Let us listen to his words now. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. 
Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he'd said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus has just withdrawn to the mountain and what was there for the purpose of prayer Now, Luke's account of the transfiguration itself is is narrated very briefly. It's the cliff notes of the transfiguration. Luke Luke admits Mark's suggestion of a metamorphosis, a whole bodily change that takes place. Instead, that the appearance of his face changed while he was praying and his clothing became dazzling white. In, In this way, Luke underscores the power of prayer to mediate the presence of God. Like like Moses, who was so radiant when he descended from Mount Sinai that the Israelites could could not look at him, Jesus' appearance confirmed his presence with God. In this context, however, the transfiguration may be also understood as a further disclosure of Jesus' divinity as God's Son, or as a foreshadowing of his resurrection and ascension. The two men who appeared to the disciples at Jesus' ascension were also clad in white robes. But why Moses and Elijah? Why not Abraham? Why not Abraham? He's the father of the nation. Or or David, he's the great king. Moses is the law, and Elijah is the greatest of the prophets. So what we have here is Jesus telling us he's following the law and the prophets. Luke tells us, as Jesus meets the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, that he interpreted the things about himself beginning with Moses and the prophets. Again, the law and the prophets. They too had a glorious appearing with God on the mountaintop. They received a vision of God's glory and were rejected by Israel at some points in their ministries. Both have interesting endings. Remember, Jesus had just told his disciples a week ago, eight days, a week ago, about his death, about his resurrection. And now they hear it from the discussion between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Oh, how Peter 
is just like many of us, just starting to move his mouth before his brain kicks in. Have you ever experienced that? This event is probably taking place in October at the time of the Feast of the Tabernacles, or Sukkot, a time of spiritual purification and a chance to reconcile with God. Now, I really I don't blame Peter at all for this one. I really don't, if you think about it. Have you ever been at a place that you just don't want to leave? Well, of course you have. For some of you, it may have been in a fighter jet up over the clouds with a storm down below. For some of you, it's, it's at the beach near the water. Some of you is the lake. Some like the mountains or Montreat. For, for me, it's the island. It begins when I, I pull up to the dock after a 30-minute boat ride. I walk up the stairs and the ramp to the house. I pull back the vertical shades. I get to overlook this magnificent vista of sand and palm trees and the water of the sound clashing on the beach. I snap that ever-important picture to send out and mark that I have arrived. I'm at my happy place. As I pull open the, the sliding doors, I hear the variety of birds, and I see them flying, calling out, and then, then the surf crashing. Then at some point, when I must leave, I pull those vertical shades closed after taking one last look, one last picture, and I walk down those stairs and the ramp, I board the boat for the 30-minute boat ride back to the mainland. I just don't want to leave. Other than in this sanctuary, yes, this sanctuary here, it's my ah place. And I know you all have one of those places. It's a place where I have numerous spiritual experiences. Yes, spiritual experiences on the island and spiritual experiences here in the sanctuary. For some of you, it, it may have been a camp experience at Camp Montgomery, or maybe it was at Montreat. And you just don't want to leave that peaceful, easy feeling. The feeling of camp and camaraderie and friendships and relationships that you've just built. We call them mountaintop experiences. But God doesn't want us to wait on the mountain or on the island or at camp, but to get to work in the valley. Just as the voice from heaven after Jesus' baptism occurred while Jesus was praying, so now the transfiguration, transfiguration and the voice from the cloud occur in the context of prayer. Friends, at times along the way, the future may come clear to us or we may stop momentarily to survey 
the distance already traveled and the goal that lies ahead. Perhaps it's like a hiker in the woods who climbs a tree to get a clear fix on the peak that lies ahead and is struck by the surrounding magnificence and doesn't want to come down. Or perhaps it's like my island retreat. There are times for retreat. There are times for prayer and meditation, rest. When the shape of the whole may become clear to us, we may also find that during the struggle, the struggle of a lost one, or at a bedside, or at a funeral, or at a graveside, that's where the meaning of the gospel and the nature of God become clear to us in ways that transcend ordinary experience. In the throes of a hard fight for justice and peace, we may discover a purpose or a calling that casts a radiant or transfiguring light over the rest of our lives. Friends, the transfiguration, we, like the disciples, witness such a moment in Jesus' life. The recounting of the transfiguration is like the composite of the whole gospel tradition. If we think about it, one scene, we hear the echoes of baptism of Jesus. In the next, we hear of the passion prediction. The next is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, the death and resurrection of Jesus and his ascension and the future coming. But it's the voice from the cloud that serves to emphasize the importance of what's happening in the moment and throughout all of Jesus' ministry. The divine voice affirms Jesus' identity as God's son and instructs the disciples to heed Jesus' teachings. All that's missing is what I call the cosmic denozo, the hand of God reaching down to give Peter a little slap on the back of the head and saying, wake up. If, if, there, if there were 10 words that God were to say to us, what would they be? I believe we hear them in the text this morning. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I got 10. Jesus' experience, experience from his death and his baptism, Jesus' experience is summed up in the whole of that. And God allowed us to see his path clearly. The dangers of a mountaintop experience, such as what the disciples experienced, or perhaps what we experience at youth camp, perhaps because they are so rare, are that we may either fail to learn from them as we ought, or we may want to make them the norm and withdraw from the day-to-day -day struggles that fill most of our lives. Surprisingly, the transfiguration seems to have little impact on Peter 
James and John. They still don't understand what Jesus told them about his death and resurrection. Peter still denies Jesus, and the others look for an earthly kingdom. They debate on who's the greatest, who will sit at the right hand of God. Will their Messiah restore the kingdom of Israel? Neither, neither do the three refer to this experience in the preaching early in, the, in Acts. In fact, the Gospel of John doesn't even contain an account of the transfiguration. Imagine, in the presence of God, Moses and Elijah, it's not even written in his Gospel. The implication, therefore, is that the disciples were not transformed by this mountaintop experience. And the disciples wanted to build booths to stay on that mountaintop, but they could not, could not stop time or live in the radiance of the moment. Discipleship involves following and going on a journey. As much as they were awed by what they had seen, they were not ready. They were not ready to be witnesses to Jesus Christ. Oh, they heard the words of Jesus say, shh, 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 don't tell anybody. They did that really well. Only later, after further following the grief of the cross, the joy of the resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit, would they be ready to speak their witnesses to what God had done in Jesus. Faithfulness is not achieved by freezing a moment in time, but by following on in confidence that God is always leading. And what lies ahead is even greater than what you and I have already experienced. So what do we say about the quest for visions and, and revelation in our own time? The transfiguration emphasizes that God has been revealed through Jesus Christ and that the essence of Jesus' identity and work cannot, it cannot be understood apart from the cross and the resurrection. It is only in their light do we ever and can we ever understand the character of God or the significance of Jesus. At best, therefore, dreams, epiphanies, and visions can give new meaning to the whole of our experience, making the goal clearer in the midst of our journey. But they also point back to the tasks and struggles, the ministries that give our lives purpose, justice and peace, the hope and love, the caring for each other. That's what it means to be a transfiguration church. So being a transfiguration church means that experiencing Jesus was never meant as a private experience of spirituality that's removed from the public square and securely, safely tucked in a sanctuary in our pews as we sit silent 
It was and is a vision to carry us down from the mountaintop, to provide a glimpse of unimagined possibilities at the ground level. The view from the overlook may be majestic, but the road, real life, beckons us and calls us And we must remember that Jesus calls us to take up our cross daily and follow him with a promise that there will be other vistas, other transforming experiences that lie ahead of us if we but just keep our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts open to the possibilities that God lies and lays before us. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry, and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.